Hello and welcome. The Setting Apart podcast is a pit stop where you can get nourished, encouraged, and refreshed whenever you need a break. I'm your host, IP, and every episode I get to share my stories, my outlook, my reflections on all things inspired through the lens of faith. So grab yourself a coffee, sit back, relax, and chill. My dear Setting Apart podcast or SAP family, welcome back. In this episode, I would like to address a couple of comments on episode number four, Saved by Grace, share a couple of testimonies from listeners like you, and the sacred scripture that inspired today's episode. Feel free to check out episode number four, Saved by Grace, first if you haven't already done so. Before I begin, though, I cannot thank those of you who have been strong supporters of the Setting Apart podcast enough, those who have been gracious with their life-giving words of encouragement, they are like a wellspring of water in the desert, absolutely life-giving indeed, keep them coming. Then there are those who go the full nine yards in sharing the podcast with their so-called friends, and last but not least, there are some of you who actually do both. As you may recall from episode number one, the SAP is a one-man passion project. And one of the overarching objectives is to bear witness and share the good news of the gospel to many through the platform. What you may not have been aware of is that I started from ground zero, and I couldn't have done this, the sharing to many, by myself. For starters, I do not have any social media accounts, no Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, nothing. What I do have a dormant Facebook account, I have not used it in like a decade or so. And on top of that, I likely will be deleting my Facebook and WhatsApp accounts since I do not plan on giving up my personal data privacy to them. And so from the get-go, it was uh, you know, an uphill battle whether or not I can achieve this objective of bearing witness to many, if at all. And that's where you, my friends, come in and make magic happens. Your word of mouth sharing has been nothing short of phenomenal. And I have each and every one of you to thank for. Seriously, words cannot express my humility and gratitude. I would like to give a shout out to Michael of the Silicon Valley in the U.S. who has been a strong supporter from the get-go, who's like, Hey, I got your back, bruh. Looking forward to your first episode. And that was well before my first episode ever dropped. Mike is another high school buddy of mine who's built a business and made a home in the Bay Area in the U.S. And what a gift that we got reconnected again through the podcast. And here's the thing. There are many of you just like Mike. Those of you from my Bible sharing group, the RTE Bible study group, the church ministry, church groups, etc. There are too many to be named, but you know who you are. Every word of encouragement means so much, and believe me, goes a long way. Then there are those of you who have been sharing my podcast with your circle of friends since day one, and I'm going to share a couple of heartfelt testimonies that moved me from them. The first one is from Rebecca of Singapore, and it reads, 
Episode 2 was very well explained. Your podcast came at the right time, and I want to share with my stylist who discovered God quite recently. I don't want to scare him off, but will do so gently. Thank you for your testimony, Rebecca. I am delighted to read that the Setting Apart podcast can play a part in your evangelization. And that is so awesome. And since your stylist has recently found God, the Setting Apart podcast may just be the timely platform to help deepen his faith. So thank you for that, Rebecca. Now, just a quick word on evangelization, since this is part of our vocation as baptized Christians. Evangelization comes from the Greek word euangelion, meaning good news or gospel. It means bringing the good news of Jesus Christ into every human situation. There are two distinct senses of the term evangelization. The first sense pertains to primary evangelization, and it is the igniting of faith in and conversion to Jesus Christ. The second sense pertains to the new evangelization, which is the rekindling of the baptismal faith in persons which has grown dull or lackluster. Evangelization then has different implications depending on our relationship to Jesus and his church. For those of us who practice and live our Catholic faith, it is a call to ongoing growth and renewed conversion. That is, the call to our ongoing renewal and transformation to be perfected in love. For those who have accepted faith only in name, it is a call to re-evangelization, i.e. to rekindle or to rejuvenate our faith in Christ. For those who have stopped practicing their faith, it is a call to reconciliation so that we may be reconciled back together with Christ again. For children, it is a call for them to be formed into disciples through the family's faith life and religious education. For other Christians, it is an invitation to know the fullness of our message. And for those who have no faith, it is a call to conversion, to know Christ Jesus, and thus experience a change to new life with Christ and His church. So you see, evangelization does not cover only the conversion, but also the invitation, the formation, the reconciliation, the re-evangelization, and the ongoing transformation. You never know who might benefit from the good news of Jesus Christ, right? It could be for the conversion, or the invitation, the formation, the re-evangelization, or the ongoing transformation. Do your part and leave the rest to God. Especially when, you know, we know that people experience conversion in many different ways. Some experience a sudden shattering insight, which brings about a rapid transformation, while others may experience gradual growth over a number of years, like myself. So the important takeaway is never to give up. You know, this is not to say that evangelization needs to be in your face either. No, no, not at all. On the contrary, sharing our testimonies through the Setting Apart podcast, not just my testimony, but also yours, can be a powerful means of evangelization. So just get it out there. Let God be God. Amen. Amen. Now, the next testimony I'd like to share is from Angela of Singapore, and it reads as follows. My friends are from Perth, India, 
Switzerland, Malaysia, Singapore, Sacramento, and Seattle. Those in Perth usually meet on Thursdays for tea and fellowship. I join them via video calls at times. Monica will play the recordings I send. Cynthia's husband is not a Catholic. In the last recording when he listened, he seems to show interest. She texted me, Angel, you are God's instrument to me with Saved by Grace. Many were inspired. Though you were not a Catholic, God still cared for you as his sheep in the wilderness. In fact, it was an eye-opener to me. God chooses to care for us, and the final product is what you're doing to inspire and spread his goodness. End of quote. Thank you, Angela of Singapore, for this very heartwarming testimony. There are three takeaways from this sharing that I would like to highlight. So first, while Angela is on Spotify, some of her friends are not. So what does she do? Angela goes about recording my episode as it drops onto her smartphone from Spotify and sends it across to her friends, a recording of my podcast episode. My dear Angela, I am so touched by your effort in sharing my podcast episode to your friends who may not have Spotify. But other than Spotify, your friends might be able to subscribe or follow my podcast from other major podcast apps like the Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher Podcasts. These are some of the major podcast apps that the Setting Apart podcast is distributed to. So to the friends of Angela, the links to the various podcast apps linking to the Setting Apart podcast can be found on the website. And the URL is settingapart.com. Setting Apart is one word. So settingapart.com. You can also find the website link on the episode notes. To help you get set up, there are three easy steps that you can do. First, you can go to my website. There are two ways you can go about doing it. You can either click on the link on the episode note or type the URL directly on your browser. The URL, again, is settingapart.com. Setting apart is one word. Now, once you get to the web page, scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page and you will see the various buttons of all the major podcast apps there. Then second step is you just click on any one of them and they should take you to the podcast immediately or automatically, right? And once you made it to the setting apart podcast, just click subscribe or follow. Once you have subscribed or followed the podcast, then all the new episodes will be automatically dropped to your chosen app whenever it's updated. So if you still need help, just get a friend to help you out. It's as easy as one, two, three, just three steps to get you set up. Now, the second thing that I like to highlight with regards to grace, there are different kinds of graces, the sanctifying or habitual graces, actual graces, special graces, sacramental graces, etc. The grace referred to in my podcast episode number four, Saved by Grace, is actual grace or specifically initial grace. And I will say a few words about it since it was stated that it was an eye opener in the testimony. So let's start by looking at what Jesus taught his disciples about initial or prevenient graces. In John chapter 6 verse 44, Jesus says, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draw him and I will raise him on the last day. And also in John 
chapter 15, verse 16, Jesus said, You did not choose me. No, I chose you. Now let's take a closer look at what grace is from the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Paragraph 1996 reads as follows. Grace is favor, the free and undeserved help that God gives us to respond to his call to become children of God, adoptive sons, partakers of the divine nature and of eternal life. So grace, first and foremost, is a favor, the free and unmerited help that God gives us in order to respond to his call, right? And then paragraph 2000 goes on to say this, actual graces refer to God's interventions, whether at the beginning of conversion or in the course of the work of sanctification. So in the beginning of conversion is also known as um, the initial or prevenient grace. And in the course of the work of sanctification, it's also known as the cooperating graces. Now, paragraph 2001 goes on to say that the preparation of men for the reception of grace is already a work of grace. This latter grace is needed to arouse and sustain our collaboration in justification through faith and in sanctification through charity. So God brings to completion in us what he has begun, since he who completes his work by cooperating with our will began by working so that we might will it. What it says is that we are called to conversion by grace. We cooperate by collaborating in the justification by grace through faith, and we are sanctified by grace through charity. So everything from the preparation for the reception of grace to our eventual sanctification is God's works of grace. So are we saved by grace alone? Well, not quite. In fact, the father of grace, St. Augustine, has this to say, and I quote, Indeed, we also work, but we are only collaborating with God who works, for his mercy has gone before us. He has gone before us so that we may be healed, and follows us so that once healed, we may be given life. It goes before us so that we may be called, and follows us so that we may be glorified. It goes before us so that we may live devoutly, and follows us so that we may always live with God. For without Him, we can do nothing. Unquote. How beautiful is that? So it's not like we just sit back and do nothing. We still need to collaborate in God's good works so that we may bear fruits that last. God's grace enables us to freely cooperate with His grace. For without God, we can do nothing. I will leave it at that on grace. Now the third bullet point I wish to highlight is this. With that context, can you now see why I am so indebted to the graces that God gratuitously offered to me even before my conversion? That's the initial or prevenient grace that I'm talking about. We are all called to God by grace. That is the love of God for everyone. He always comes to us first. God loves you. And that's precisely what St. John means when he says, we love because he first loved us. Amen. Amen. 
What a beautiful sharing from Angela about her friends in Perth, Australia. It all started from a little-known podcast in Singapore, the Setting Apart Podcast. Then Angela recorded an episode from the podcast because she uses Spotify, but her friends do not. And Angela sends the recording to her friends all over the world. How cool is Angela? She is truly an angel from God. Now, Monica in Perth picks it up and decided to play the recording of the podcast while throwing a tea party to her friends in their fellowship. And meanwhile, Cynthia and her husband thought they were probably just having some tea and scones. But all this while, through these seemingly random events, the grace of God is seemingly at work. How inspiring is that? Alleluia, praise the Lord. Now, the scripture that inspired the sharing in this episode is from the Gospel of John, specifically John chapter 6, verse 41 to 47. If you have a Bible with you, I invite you to read along with me. Again, that's John chapter 6, verses 41 to 47. Now, the context of the passage is that um, Jesus just performed the miracle of feeding the 5,000 with a few loaves and a couple of fish prior to this. In other words, Jesus just performed a miracle to the crowd, and he's now revealing his divinity to the crowd on the bread of life discourse. Yet, just like the Exodus generation who murmured about Moses in the wilderness, the crowd started to murmur or complain about Jesus. So that's the context, and it reads as follows. The Jews murmured about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And they said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph? Do we not know his father and mother? Then how can he say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered and said to them, Stop murmuring among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draw him, and I will raise him on that last day. It is written in the prophets, They shall be taught by God. Everyone who listens to my Father and hears from him comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Amen, amen, I say to you. Whoever believes has eternal life. End of reading. Now, the verse that stood out for me is verse 47, and it reads, Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. In particular, the word that really strikes me is believes which flows out from the grace of faith for the entire reading to me. In fact, the entire reading is an invitation to faith from Jesus. Essentially, Jesus first performed the work of the Father by feeding the 5,000 out of very little, and then reveals to the Jews his identity, proclaiming, I am the bread of life who came down from heaven. Now, feeding the 5,000 with a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish is truly a work of miracle by itself. I mean, you have raw material, barely enough for five grown men, let alone for 5,000 who are hungry. And it's not like the apostles could prepare the food ahead of time either, 
right? They simply followed the instructions of Jesus. They filled up the baskets with whatever breadcrumbs that is left over, and they turned into baskets full of food. Everyone is fed to the brim. And so the crowd kept following Jesus. And so that's the miracle that was performed by Jesus for the crowd. Yet, when Jesus reveals his divinity with the bread of life discourse, the hearts of the crowd were hardened. They started to complain, to doubt, and eventually they walked away, despite having been on the receiving end of the miracle. So the word believes in verse 47 is Jesus' invitation to faith. Now, faith, as St. Paul the Apostle who defines it, is not merely a belief. Rather, according to Paul, faith is, one, if God speaks a truth, we believe it in our mind. Two, if God makes a promise, we are confident that he will deliver. And three, if God tells us to do something, we must do it. This is obedience to faith, as alluded to in Romans 1 verse 5. We can clearly see this in the case of Abraham, the father of faith. If you do not know the story of Abraham, you really should look it up. It is fascinating. Therefore, when viewed in the lens of St. Paul, then John 6, 41-47, which inspired my reflections for this episode, is an invitation to faith from Jesus. Specifically, it is an invitation to conversion. And so, the feeding of the 5,000, which truly is a miracle, can be seen as the actual or initial grace gratuitously given to us in order to draw us to Jesus. And elsewhere, in John 10, verse 38, Jesus says, If I do not perform my Father's works, do not believe me. But if I perform them, even if you do not believe me, believe the works, so that you may realize and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. So connecting the dots to my testimony in episode 4, the graces I received in my near-death experiences were indeed the actual or initial graces in order to prepare me to receive God's grace before my conversion. And here's the thing. Without the lens of faith, I could not have realized that those were the initial graces I received. I only realized that much later. So in the same vein, the beautiful testimony of Angela where the interest of Cynthia's husband was piqued by a sequence of seemingly unrelated random events in my mind It is the work of the Holy Spirit, a grace from God, an invitation to faith in Jesus. All the works and signs that Jesus has performed, the feeding of the 5,000, the healing of the lepers, the cripple, the blind, and the raising of the dead, these are all graces of God drawing us to Jesus. If we understand that God's graces is driven by His love for us, then we can truly appreciate that we love because he first loved us. To Cynthia's husband and those like him, it could be a call to invitation. To others, God's grace might be the call to transformation, the call to formation, the call to reconciliation, or the call to re-evangelization. The question then becomes, what are you going to do about it? 
How are you going to respond to God's grace for you? Now, how you respond to God's grace is entirely up to you. I would suggest, however, that you invite Jesus to your heart, allow him to guide you and collaborate freely with him so that you may experience the fullness of his love for you just like I have. My friends, this has been an empowering episode reflecting on the grace of God, in particular, the initial grace of God, the preparation for us for the reception of more grace from him. And following the initial graces, we have the invitation to faith from Jesus. Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. Let us pray for each other that we may respond to Jesus' invitation to us wholeheartedly and collaborate with him fully in accordance to the will of the Father in heaven. Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. Thank you for listening to the Setting Apart podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and get notified so you won't miss any new episodes. And please feel free to give me your ratings and reviews so that others may get to listen as well. Thank you and God bless.